Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. I'm Austin Ryan, your host, and uh, I'm going to have an opportunity to kind of carry on where we left off last, uh, last episode. So in the last episode, we were talking specifically about how to develop a worship culture in your church. So many people are just like, oh man, we want to have a worship culture. We want people singing and involved and connected and, you know, really responding to God and all that kind of stuff. And so um, in our experience at Worship Catalyst, we've seen basically three characteristics of churches that have a strong worship culture. Number one is pastoral teaching and involvement. We talked all about that in the last episode, if you want to go back and check that one out where the, the pastor is really involved in teaching on what worship is on a con- really consistent basis and being involved in, you know, singing and very visible and those sorts of things. And the second one is a congregational worship IQ. So um, wh- what I have found for the most part is that people in the congregation don't really understand uh, what worship is that much. And honestly, I think the reason is because we as church leaders have messed up the definition Somewhere back in, you know, the 90s or something, we transitioned, like my dad is a was a 50 years as a worship leader slash music minister slash whatever the titles were in churches. And at some point, the titles switched from music minister to worship leader. All right. Well, great. No big deal. But what we started to use as language to discuss worship or music is worship. We'd say, oh, let's show up for the worship and then make sure we're going to have worship for three songs. And then we're going to, hey, everybody, let's worship and then I'll preach. Um, Hey, congregation, hope you enjoyed the worship. You know, that sort of thing. Well, like we all know, all that is doing is two things. Number one, it's admitting that we don't know what worship is as leaders. And number two thing that it's doing is it is helping our congregation to have a terrible worship IQ. Because what we've basically said to our congregation now for 30 years or whatever is, uh, uh, congregation, worship is singing at church for 20 minutes before a sermon. That's worship. And oh my gosh, I wonder if God even cringes when we say things like, I sure enjoyed the worship. Or let's worship before sermon or whatever. It just limits what worship of God really is, which is our devoted response to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's our mind's attention and our heart's affection fixed on Him. It's broader than church. It's broader than music. It's all the time. So how do we get over that hump? Let me tell you the third thing, by the way. In developing a worship culture, there's the pastoral teaching and involvement. There's the congregational worship IQ. And then there's good, strong worship leadership. Okay. And hopefully this whole podcast, uh, week to week to week, we're getting better at being good worship leaders and and pastors along the way. But I want to spend some time today just talking specifically about congregational worship IQ and how to get there. So One of those is obviously the preaching of the word of God. I mean, that needs to happen on a consistent basis from the pastor. We talked about that last week. Um, Pretty much the entire Bible from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, 
there's worship in almost every single chapter in a lot of the verses. So like there's no limit. You could preach your entire life on just worship and you have plenty of text to do that with. But we, in recognizing that the congregation didn't have a really strong IQ of worship, uh, developed a, um, a, a devotional uh, process that church members would go through on their own. And what I want to do is kind of talk through that a little bit uh, in this podcast and, and really offer you an opportunity to, to have this. Okay, we could just offer you the opportunity to have these devotions. So the way it's set up is that um, the congregation uh, gets a daily devotion, six of them per week uh, for four weeks. So 6, 12, 18, 24. There's 24 sessions. And in every single one of them, there's a story, there's a scripture, and then there's an application of what is it that the Bible says about worship based on the scripture. And so there's um, uh, the way we built it was that the that uh, the church would all go through this together. And then on Sundays, the pastor would preach on that topic. So we have some, uh, we, we took our church through this and we have some uh, sermons that we uh, that we preached during that time that are available to you as well. So we've got sermons and then uh, also uh, this devotional time and then also small groups. If your groups want to also talk about it even more, small group questions to discuss what they're learning and that sort of thing. Uh, it's kind of meant to be like a month of worship in a congregation. Uh, of course, you can ap- apply it in other ways if you want to do that and take different groups through it and things like that. But I want to offer this to you. And what I'm going to do is just read you one of them, okay? Uh, just to kind of give you an idea. And this, uh, there is an order to these, and this one's not number one. It's like uh, three weeks in or something. But this concept of worship on this particular devotion is called Expect Nothing Back. And so I'll read it to you. I have this longtime friend named Nancy. She's an RN. This came in handy one day when her next door neighbor called her frantically saying that her husband wasn't breathing. Nancy and her husband, Ron, took off next door barefooted, leaving the front door open. Their neighbor was standing by the front door waiting for them and escorted them up to the master bedroom where the man lay, not breathing, still on his bed. His skin had already started turning blue. Nancy told Ron to grab his upper body while she grabbed his feet, and they got him to the floor where Nancy started CPR. The uh, the wife called 911 and began waiting for what would be the longest 10 minutes of her life and Nancy's. She continued chest compressions and providing breath into his mouth in perfect steady rhythm. She kept talking to him, urging him to fight for his life, not really knowing if he could hear her or not. For all practical purposes, her neighbor was dead. Finally, the paramedics arrived with a defibrillator and after several tries, got his heart working again. Miraculously, a few days later, this man returned home and continued his life. As Nancy was telling me this story, my biggest question didn't have to do with the CPR or her neighbor's heart condition leading up to or following this event. My biggest question was about his response to Nancy days and weeks later. How thankful was this man? She literally saved his life. He was dead and she kept him going until he could be revived. Surely he had tried to think of multiple ways to say thank you. Wouldn't you? I mean, put yourself in his shoes. An angel named 
Nancy comes over and gives you more years to your life, years to spend with kids and grandkids, years to travel with your spouse, years to build genuine relationships with friends, watching sunsets and eating Chick-fil-A. So how did he say thanks? Nancy laughed, almost embarrassed, and said that he had been showering her and Ron with gifts, gift cards, thank yous, meals, and more. I'm sure he is struggling. How can you say thank you to someone who moves you from death to life? The only realistic gift is a lifetime of servitude. But Nancy would never accept that. She didn't even want the gift card. So here's the scripture. Psalm 119, 108. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. What does this Bible verse say about worship? Nancy's story is kind of a modern day metaphor for what Jesus did for us. We were the ones lying on the bed lifeless, and he came and took us from death to life. Remember, we were not brought from sickness to health. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, and Jesus made us alive, Ephesians 2.5. Our natural response is to give an offering of praise to our Savior. And in this psalm, we see that our offering is a free will one. This means simply that we offer our praise response to God, expecting nothing in return. Often we praise God by tithing, going to church, doing nice things, and generally living right, expecting uh, all along the way that God will respond to our goodness by doing good things for us. Like, we will get the better job, the raise, the health, the decent kids, the simpler life. But please remember something. You were dead. Jesus brought you back to life. You respond with your life lived for him. He doesn't owe you anything. How preposterous would it be for Nancy's next door neighbor to give her a gift card to some fancy steakhouse and then come by the next day expecting her to now give him something nice? Come on, Nancy, I I gave you a steak dinner. Surely you have something nice to give to me. Knowing Nancy, she probably would. Knowing Jesus, he does. But our response of praise to him is not with the condition that we get something back from him. He already did his part by saving us. And so how do we apply this? It's interesting in this psalm that the writer, probably King David, does ask for two things as he offers up his free will offering. First, he asks for God to accept the offering. It was important to Nancy's neighbor that she accepted the gifts that he offered. It was important to David that God accept his worship. Then second, he asks for God to teach him his rules. David offers up his life as a free will offering to God, expecting nothing in return except to learn more about the rules of God so that he can live even more specifically by them. His ask of God is to show him how to give every last part of himself to his creator. Follow this pattern. Follow it. Give yourself completely to God today through prayer and through living. Expect nothing in return, but then ask God to be even clearer with you on how you can live for him completely, holding nothing back. Then your life will be offered as a free will praise to God and he will receive it.
There's two questions. Number one, what nice thing has someone done for you? How did you say thanks? And number two, how can you say thanks to God in response to him bringing you from death to life? So that's just an idea. That's just one of these 24 devotions. And um, if you would like, like I said, these are, uh, we want to, there have been just a few churches that have um, walked through this process and have had great experiences. And if you would like to consider that for your congregation, just for a while here, we're going to offer that to you completely free. And um, just to give you an opportunity to help your church raise its uh, uh, worship culture by increasing the worship IQ of the congregation. So anyway, I hope that's helpful to you. I really do. And uh, also want to wish you an incredibly Merry Christmas. I know that that's uh, coming up super soon. And uh, God bless you all. Have a great week.